0: Hey everyone, this is Phelan on The Authentic Path, and today's episode, episode number five, is with Horace Bray. Horace is a really, really amazing guitarist. He has written some really cool music that I personally love, and he has a really cool Instagram thing going on, and he teaches music and teaches guitar to a lot of people. And in this conversation, we get to talk about more than music and get into the weeds of philosophy and Taoism and Buddhism and what it is takes to maintain calm in the midst of anxiety. And it's really, really awesome. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Authentic Path with Horace Bray. Thanks so much for listening. But first, a word from our sponsor. Creator Academy is a platform that was built to help aspiring creatives succeed by teaching them how to upgrade the quality of their work and how to make money. If you've ever wondered how those photographers and models you see on Instagram are traveling all around the world, you can find the answers inside Creator Academy. Danny, my first guest on the show, and his co-founder, Kevin, are super genuine people who've created this platform because they want to help you live out your dreams. They've created over 50 hours of content that will directly empower you to get brand deals with hotels around the world, learn how to make passive income, and better yourself as an artist. They teach you how to grow your Instagram following and even offer to help you one-on-one. This is a really incredible opportunity to partner up with some really cool people, and I couldn't have asked for a better sponsor of the show. Their mission lines up so well with my own. If you want to learn more, go to phelan.com ca. That is FAolan.com slash C-A, which will also be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the podcast.
1: Three, two, one, zero.
0: All right, sweet. Uh, Horace, thank you for coming on the show. It's really exciting to have you on here and I'm excited to talk. So to get started, I just want to hear a little bit about who you are and what your journey has been like to get where you are today. So just like a general overview.
1: Ooh, Okay. So a general overview of kind of,
0: well, I guess like how, how in depth do you want? Uh, just like, I don't know, you are a musician and you play and you create music, but you also teach. So just like all that stuff.
1: So my name's Horace Bray. I am uh, currently living in LA. I have a background in jazz guitar. And then from that, I've done a bunch of things adjacent to that. And, um, you know, I sing and I tend to write a lot of sad songs and a lot of kind of like ragey guitar-driven instrumental music. And I've been, you know, doing a lot of stuff in the pop world for a while. And I moved around a lot growing up. And, yeah, that's kind of the general
0: overview. Cool. So, yeah, same. I think sad songs are the best songs for people who need to get stuff off their chest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So you started playing music when you were 10, 11 around then? Yeah.
1: Yeah. About like, um, you know, we had a piano in the house. So it's like, I think, you know, my mom like taught me like the C major scale at some point when I was a kid and I used to like bang around on it, but like didn't really, didn't really play. I do have like an early memory of trying to like make it, make the piano sound like a thunderstorm. Well, which my family loved. Um,
0: Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Super,
1: super loud. Uh, And like, I used to love making like the really creepy sounds, like, try to make it sound like it was from a horror movie. Also, because my sisters hated it. But um, yeah, I really started to get into it. Like, my parents got divorced around 11, and that's right around when I started playing drums. So, my first like experience. Really trying to at least kind of get good at something was with drums, where I was like playing along with like Nirvana and like Foo Fighters and the Hives and Franz Ferdinand, that kind of stuff. Um, nice, and then very quickly I started to uh, well, I guess not that, about that, went on for like a year or two, and then I ended up picking up a guitar that was just in the house. And then it, I think it the way it, the way it kind of guitar got started for me was. My mom, I think my mom was like a little burnt out on drums. So one week she bet me that I couldn't learn Stairway to Heaven because I was like a very, um, I was a very like hyper-focusing ADD child. And I just went in real hard, did nothing but practice that song for like two weeks and then got it down sloppily, but I got it down. And um, yeah, they never really put it down. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. It's been like, what, like 15 years since then? Wow.
0: That's a long time to play one instrument. So dedicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I heard a story that you told on a show that you were on about how your mom used to play music and write when she was, when you were going to bed. And I thought that was like a really, really cool story. Can you just share that quick?
1: Yeah. So my mom, uh, my mom's always been a really big music person. She's never like thought of herself as a musician or performed, but big, big music lover always had music on in the house. And she used to, she used to write a lot of songs on the piano. And the only time that she would have free time would be like when all the kids went to bed. So I have very vivid memories of like being a child and my mom just like playing these songs on the piano. And I like, I still remember a lot of them to this day. Um, we actually, my sisters and I, we all banded together and got her a piano for Christmas or like a, you know, a nice like keyboard for Christmas this past year. Cause she like didn't have one the last 10 years, I think.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Um,
1: but yeah, well, that was, that was, was like, like good. you guys. I mean, that was probably my first real, um, like experience in like someone songwriting or like, you know, cause it's like my, like she was always playing like Sheryl Crow or like Patty Griffin or like the wallflowers, but it, like, it didn't really click that that was like someone writing a song about a thing. So she was like
0: really the, the first songwriter that I experienced in my life. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, Good story. I think that those early experiences that we have as people often like shape so much of who we are without our knowing. So it's cool that that one just like slipped in and has formed you. Yeah. Um, Okay. So you are a full-time musician. And what is that? Because I think when I think of a full-time musician, I think of someone who is writing and releasing songs like all the time. But from what I've gotten to understand about you, you also do other things like teaching and working like a little bit more technically on music and a little bit like a high level or working with other people so what exactly are you doing as a musician and how is that different from what people think of a musician does
1: well I mean it definitely is I'm what I'm doing now is way different than what I thought a musician life would be like because when I was like in college I was just like super gung-ho like athletic masturbatory guitar playing like oh if I play fast enough and like blow people's minds enough then I'll just like make enough money to pay rent which really isn't and uh, you know there's some people that can do that but it's a very it's like five people that do that so right now kind of like my I guess not day-to-day but like week-to-week you know when there's not a, an apocalypse happening right, right. <laughs> um so I do a lot of like recording sessions and writing sessions with people um you know I release a lot of my own music I do my own stuff under Horace Bray, which in general is like more singer songwriter, lyric based music. Um, And then I have like a whole ambient music side hustle that I've been doing the last like year or two. Uh, There's this name called recalibration machine that I put music under. It's kind of like, just kind of like ambient music to study to types. It's like, it's almost like that like lo-fi beats to study to type stuff, but like ambient folk instead of lo-fi hip hop. Um, so I've been doing that a lot and that's, that project is had a good amount, surprising amount of success. I never thought it was going to do anything, but, um, but it's interesting because that's not like music I would ever perform. Right. It's just kind of like, it was just like a thing I did with some friends and then, uh, but yeah, yeah, I do that. I do a lot of, um, music for like placements right now, like, um, like writing songs that are specifically being shot to like be used in like commercials or like the beginning of people's podcasts or that kind of stuff. Um, Then that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, You know, I sometimes I play with like various like pop acts, like uh, right before we started the quarantine, I was doing uh, a bunch of stuff with a singer named Sophia Carson. Who's kind of like a Disney princess type human. Yeah. I've heard of her. Um, She's yeah, she's, she's awesome. And that was like different city every day, like playing all the radio stations and that kind of grind. When I was in New York, I was very much in that, like playing at Rockwood music hall, which is like almost like the hotel cafe if you're familiar with that venue in LA, but it's like, they have like three stages, have a bunch of shows on each stage every day. Um, But I was like just gigging like six or seven times a week in New York. Like just non-stop like rehearsal rehearsal to the show or like like sometimes rehearsal sound check go to another rehearsal play the show then get back late at night and learn the music for the next day like that was super grindy and not like enjoyable in some ways but also like it took me a minute to realize it but i really don't function well with that much constant stress so I'm
0: actually actually really happy with kind of the balance I've achieved career-wise right now. So you've been like on your own playing music since for how long? You graduated college like six, seven years ago?
1: Yeah. Like I started gigging when I was in my teens. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There was like, I guess the first gig I got was um, the guy that lived next door to my dad in St. Louis he, like was the worship leader at a church so i got a church gig when i was like 16 playing like chris tomlin stuff you know it was super chill they were so nice to me like they were they were good people it wasn't like a weird church like and not right right not to bring religion yeah, into yeah. it but like <laughs> some of them are like mega churches and other ones are like way home here that was a sure. home here one right uh so then and then shortly after that i started getting like a lot of restaurant gigs like playing jazz guitar and you know, with my little high school jazz trio, jazz quartet, cool. And, but yeah, I graduated college in 2015, and since then, like, I, I've never really had a normal job, except for like being a camp counselor once when I was a teenager, and like, I think this summer after my freshman year of college, I worked at this like barbecue
0: catering company, for um to like save up money to get a car, yeah. But, so that's something that I think is really cool about your story specifically, because I think a lot of people, especially people who are, want to be artists or want to kind of take on these different paths in life, have to like do a bunch of shit jobs for a while and and not like that all shit jobs are actually bad, but like they're just perceived to be, you know? Um, yeah. So I think like the fact that you've just been playing music for so long is really cool. And how do you, or have you ever like felt like you need to get a quote unquote real job or... Is this kind of just like always been a clear path for you for your life? I mean, I've always been able to like make it
1: work. And given like I didn't work at like a library or like a bookstore, like, you know, I didn't have that extra like part time job. But boy, did I've done, I've done some like not fun gigs. Like in New York, right. the only way I could make ends meet was like, you know, I got into doing a lot of like top 40 music, which the general like weekend of that would be like frantically learn like 50 songs for this wedding, then leave at like 11 a.m. to go meet the ride upstate at like, you know, cause I would have like take the subway with all my gear, like amp, guitar, pedal board, music stand, guitar stand, in a suit, wow. go on the subway for 45 minutes and then do like a three hour drive to a wedding, be there all day, get back to the city at 2 a.m. then have another hour long train ride to get back to my apartment. And that's like, that was my grind. And I would just do that like once a week. And that was kind of like the same as having like a, a day job, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that, dude, that left me so burnt out. Yeah, that's really, really fun. hard. You know, learning learning a bunch of Michael Jackson tunes. It's like, you can't can't <laughs> complain too much because those guitar parts are fun as shit. Right. But um, yeah, so it's like, yeah, I never had like a a day job, but I'm finally at the point now where I'm like, I don't have to say
0: yes to those kind of gigs anymore. That's cool. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah, but so now you've, well, actually first I want to, I want to touch on what you were just talking about, because I was just talking with this other woman for the podcast and we were talking about how everyone who gets in this like different kinds of life and different paths ends up like going down to the bottom of the barrel, barrel financially and like needing to do all this, like, crazy stuff to like get back but you learn a lot about who you are and about what you're capable of during those times so when you were like grinding all of these days and learning 50 songs in a weekend like what did that make you realize you could do that you never really thought you could do before if anything
1: well I certainly never thought I would be able to learn 50 songs (laughs) in a sitting but I got like crazy good at like just charting out stuff like I have three like I have enough time to listen to each song three times and I need to have like a cheat sheet done by the third listen and just had everything right um but i definitely learned a lot of like you know what i can get done when i'm hyper focusing and just like i it really helped me feel confident in myself just in general because you know when i was going to school in texas like new york was just on this crazy high pedestal it's like oh if you can make it in new york then like you can make you know it's like everyone always says like make it in new york you can make it anywhere but like that's kind of true because it's like life doesn't really get much harder than trying to be a musician and moving to New York without like without really having like any big career things set yeah um but yeah definitely learn that like if I put my mind to something I can certainly do it you just nice. like the trickiest part is choosing the thing you want to do totally that's like that's the big hang up that I always get
0: yeah totally I, I've noticed in my life like whenever I set my mind to something it happens but it's really like how or what do I want to send my, set my mind to? And then am I actually being honest with myself? Because only on the things that I really authentically want to set my mind to can I do it 100%. So it's like, yeah. what are those? And then how do I do it? Yeah. So, okay. So you moved to New York from Texas where you were in college. And then you moved from New York to L.A. Yeah, in November. So okay. I guess like five five months
1: ago. It's going by real quick. but Yeah. So in New York, you were there for a year or two? Uh, like two and a half. I moved there in March of 2017.
0: And then I left in. Yeah. Like the November of 2019. Nice. And what was it like going from somewhere smaller to somewhere like New York and then to LA and being surrounded by like art and all of these crazy good musicians and the community and all of that stuff. So moving to LA from Texas was extremely jarring. Like, like, uh, I like
1: that's one of the biggest like cultural differences that you could find between two places um so that was crazy it felt like I was in a weird surreal movie every day and everyone was so good at music and it was just super inspiring and it still is the most inspiring place I've ever been even though I can I'm now at a place where it's like I recognize that that's not meant to be my day-to-day but it's still my favorite place to visit. And then moving to LA was much more chill because I was already coming out here a bunch. A lot of my friends in New York had already moved out here. Like I was moving into a place where it's like, there were a couple of my close friends already living and it, all the stars kind of aligned to get me out here. And so it was a much more effortless feeling. When I moved to New York, like my roommates, like we drove up in the middle of a blizzard and like rammed the Prius into a snowbank and had to unload all my shit like through this muddy dirt, the like, dirtiest snow I've ever seen. And then oh my, dude, my, first, my first month in New York, it was like, yeah. That was, it was a tough month. Like I had like this crazy debit card fraud, moved in the blizzard and then it was so cold, like not even like hygiene related, but like I, it just like killed one of my teeth. and I had to get like my first root canal just from it being so cold and having sensitive teeth. Oh, holy shit, that's so it was like So it was like, I was like, so like all my money disappeared. Dental
0: work and cold New York winter. It was the biggest trial by fire, but. Wow, yeah. So how did you come out of that and like live through that and then be, come out and the other side and be happy again? It We're not was, happy, but alive. <laughs> yeah, like, well, luckily, like at that point in time, I wasn't.
1: I've like had like, you know, parts of my life that have felt a little more anxious than others. Luckily, that one I was I was like just listening to a bunch of Ram Das like every day and like making sure I was cool. like doing yoga and doing like mindful coffee making while listening to the milk carton kids every morning and just like trying to be as zen out as I can and just being so stoked to be in New York. It was it was kind of easy to to like keep my bearings, even though the world was spinning around me.
0: Um but uh sorry sorry, can you repeat the question? I feel like I got off topic. That's okay. We can just keep going. Um, so you mentioned uh, Ramdas, who's an yeah. awesome, awesome teacher and uh, my I grew up in a community who was like all about Zen and being chill and vibing and like all of that like na- stuff that is now so like modern and cool was just like I don't know kind of normal and hippie but back in the day. Mm-hmm. but um so what has like bringing that and and Taoism into your life? like helped you with in terms of maintaining your your calm in the midst of the storm throughout like the last six years Ooh, well it's
1: been like you know I've kind of lived a little bit of a crazy life in terms of like philosophy and religion like I grew up in a very very religious household um and then kind of fell away from that when I was 13 ish like Listening to Metallica and like literally pushing my dresser in front of my door, so I didn't have to go to church on Sundays.
0: Whoa! And like,
1: my my family's not really that religious anymore, Um, but so there's not like a big like divide or anything. Um, But then like learning, like I had an English teacher in high school, and Mr. Conway. Thank you, Mr. Conway. And he was so dope. He made us like write a paper on *Spirit Away*. We read *Siddhartha*. And he used to be a Buddhist wow. monk in Hawaii before he was a high school teacher.
0: That's so, so we would cool. like do
1: sun salutations before every class. It was like the desks were just everywhere. Like there was no, no like visible structure. It was so wow. cool. It was so, so cool. Sick. And I, I still to this day, owe so much to him. So much to him. And yes, yeah, so that was the big, the big thing where it's like, I was like, oh, like things can be a release of energy instead of just holding on as tight as you can. And that was a big deal for me back then. Um, Cause I was like very like, like, I don't, I don't know if like Anne Randian is like a good comparison of just like force it to do what you want to do. Like, um, hmm. but yeah, so then like Buddhism became Buddhism and Taoism became super influential for me throughout like, you know, late high school and college and, you know, and using that to kind of get through New York, and now, now especially in this time when I'm like in LA, which is a really like very uh, calming place for me. And then having all this free time for like daily self care routines, and like making sure I meditate, and I do yoga, and I like eat super healthy, and you know I write a song every day. It's it's been a
0: hugely influential for me, especially awesome. with like stress management and general anxiety thoughts. Yeah. I think that that's really cool right now to be doing some kind of project in this time when we have all this time to just do whatever we want. And I think there are kind of two paths you can take in the quarantine. One, like work on yourself and then the other stress and just like fall apart. And yeah. so it's cool. You're choosing the, the better path. Um, while you were talking, I was thinking about your song, The Water. That oh, you yeah. Wrote, and it seems like that is like very much where that song came from. Yeah, that song's kind of I wrote that about I
1: don't know. I don't care if he finds out. I wrote that about my last roommate yeah. who was um very not go with the flow. So then it just like yeah, we were just having like a bunch of little like um I guess people Tits. can't see it, but like the like tiffs and just yeah. like you know nipping at each other. But yeah. Totally. It's a that good song about him. Dude, yeah. thank you. That was yeah. that was a really I wish the guitar I wish I made the guitar part a little bit easier so then it wasn't so, uh, ram, mental ram intensive to perform. Right.
0: Yeah. I play a little bit of guitar, but like nowhere near the level that you're at, probably like 1%. And so, like, when listening to your song, I can't even comprehend how challenging one of those songs is compared to one of the other ones. But I definitely yeah.
1: don't make it too easy on myself because it's like I was a guitar player before I was, before I started singing, you right. know, I like really didn't start singing until I moved to New York. So it hasn't been too terribly long, but. A lot of the songs off of the EP How It Ends are like the sound of me dealing with moving to New York. Mm, cool. Yeah. Do you find that so you say you're writing a song every day now? Yeah, I've been actually going back to writing a lot of instrumental music. Cool. Um, kind of have like a I don't know I don't know how much I should say because it's like nothing nothing is really solidified, yeah. but I'm planning on releasing like a beat tape oh, under nice. like a new moniker cool Um, just like not to keep like the names not super confusing and the branding kind of yeah concise but i'm kind of going back to um like this weird like fly low meets tame impala meets like shreddy is this like a first album
0: yeah a little bit more like a dream state okay cool but slightly more but slightly more like electronic okay nice there's one song on the album that i wanted to ask you about which is three four five Oh, yeah. It's such a cool song, and the vocals in it are, like, so beautiful. What was the inspiration for you for that song? So
1: there was a period of time, um, like, I think it was my sophomore year of college, where I was just, like, manic practicing, like, 10 hours a day. Like, a lot of fear-based practicing. It's, like, of not being afraid that I wasn't going to be good enough and wasn't healthy. And then my body kind of shut down for six months, was dealing with, like, a lot of, like, it was like a lot of shoulder tension that was like agitating the nerve bundles in my left arm. And then, so it was, yeah, it was like, just like it was hard to play and I was having to see a bunch of doctors about it. And in that time, I just started practicing a lot of rhythm. And there's this guitar player who I think he still lives in New York, but his name is Miles Okazaki. And he's super trippy about like, he does a lot of like fractal-based composition and all this crazy shit. And one of the things he was talking about uh, he was like on some like interview or a book he released, but he was talking about doing like three polyrhythms or three rhythms at the same time. And I just started practicing that a whole bunch and got pretty obsessive with it. And that's kind of what ended up turning into three, four, five. Um, it was kind of started out as an exercise. And then I like, I really thought it would be like dope to put on the record. So then I kind of fully ranged it. Did more of the vocal layers that that was kind of an idea we came up with like when we were in the studio, and nice. um, yeah, but yeah, well, that definitely maybe my favorite song. That and Semantic Satiation are my two favorite ones on that record. Yeah,
0: I have to look and see which one that is. Semantic. No one ever oh, that's like the last one.
1: Yeah, this last one that like yeah. no, barely anyone has heard, but it, like it has this huge like real string arrangement.
0: Yeah, um, I I've like literally listened to this this album like over and over and over again it's just like so good and okay cool so moving on um i wanted to like talk a little bit about like your you lost control of your body you're like you just got it like crapped out basically from playing too much guitar
1: yeah yeah it was like shoulder tension that was like the nerve that goes from your armpit down your arm and controls like the left It's like the left side of your arm and like your pinky your ring finger and like half of your middle finger it's really weird like your middle finger has two different nerves that control it um but yeah it basically just like crapped out on me it was like really weak and tingly and like i got put on a bunch of like nerve relaxers and muscle relaxers which were like terrible yeah not did not enjoy that process and then ended up uh taking a bunch of alexander technique classes is Which that? is kind of like, it's like kind of this like mindful body. It was developed by this like Shakespearean actor, someone, something Alexander. I don't really remember his name, but uh, the lessons consisted of like figuring out how to just perfectly and effortlessly get up from a laying position or like how to shift your body weight when you get up out of a chair how to like release all your bullshit <laughs> in your posture yeah and I, I do my best you know guitar isn't um yeah guitar is not very symbiotic with good posture because it's like so you're kind of collapse around it but yeah that helps a whole lot um another recurring theme of like releasing the energy instead of like letting go is the answer and not holding on yeah big
0: old practical joke that life constantly plays on me but yeah that's honestly beautifully said i think like letting go of, of stuff is so important to like moving through our lives and um quickly there's this like metaphor from a fiction book that i was reading recently and it's like there are, are these things called heart secrets which are like the deep emotional things that we hold on to as people and think that like no one else will understand and those like once we let them out into the world and let them breathe we end up like rising above all of that like shit that we think we have to deal with so yeah totally agree um, what was it like for you like emotionally in that? Cause I imagine like as a guitar player, losing your left hand is like awful.
1: Oh yeah. That was it was real rough. It was it was real rough because that was like the first big release. That like there was a lot of bullshit coming out of me. And like I kind of like stopped eating. My mom thought I was on drugs. I wasn't really on drugs, but like smoking a lot of, you know, weed and drinking at the time. And I was frantically like trying to get good at drawings. I was like, okay, if I'm not going to be like the best guitar player, then I want to be the best architect. So I was like doing a bunch of perspective drawings and like mm. studying houses. And it was kind of a crazy period. I remember like, I was just like taping all these perspective drawings on like one wall of my, you know, shitty Denton, Texas apartment. But wow. yeah, it was definitely tough. And then like, like the song How It Ends is kind of about the pinnacle of that where I was like starting to get a little suicidal and I was getting real dark and I just like had to have the talk with myself where it's like, okay, well, if you're going to try to make this work, then you got to be willing to do anything to make it work. And that's like specifically the lyric where, where I'm talking about like staring at the ceiling um, in
0: how it ends. That's like about literally me lying on the floor, having this conversation. with me. Yeah. I actually have a very similar moment that never had a song written about it, but there was one day where I, like, it was just super, super low, and was, like, it was the first time I was ever, like, considered killing myself, which is like, hasn't happened at all since, which is great. But um, I remember going back to my house and just, like, lying on my bed and staring at my ceiling for, like, 10 minutes and just being, like, it's so numb and, like, yeah. you know, so powerful. And now I think you've, like, transcended a lot of that, um, yeah no and, no hand problems yeah. anymore
1: now it's really like if i notice anything happening it's yeah. my uh like my association with that is like okay where's the tension in the rest of my life
0: mm, and then that's
1: yeah. always like a really it's like a litmus test where it's like if guitar feels hard to play or i'm like am i drinking enough water am i eating healthy am i giving myself enough free time and it's usually it's usually i'm not being like that nice to myself and that's why yeah. gets hard to play
0: yeah. I think that our, like, body, mind, soul are all really connected. So, like, whenever... For me, I always have this thing where if I my, like, wrist starts to hurt right here, then I know that I'm, like, going down a bad road. But it's usually because I, like, practically have just been lying in bed too much. Um, but I think it's cool to, like, watch out for those signs and then know that they're, like, it's all connected. Oh, okay. totally. Big, so, big old life skill. Yeah. Um, being aware of yourself and, like that's something that totally comes from meditating and all that being being a good listener yeah a self-listener um so there are two directions i want to take this in first i want to ask what like you've talked a lot about meditation and um yoga awareness like all of this stuff what is your daily practices that you do to take care of your mind and soul and everything
1: okay well i definitely like have to stretch every day And I tend to meditate every day unless like um unless it's like I have like an early meeting or it also sometimes I'll like get so excited for coffee and then I'll drink coffee and then like I don't really want to meditate after coffee because I'm I'm just like meditating on like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have drank coffee before trying to meditate. (laughs) But um yeah, in general, like I wake up after like probably being on my phone for a little bit too long, but you know, I stretch, I do at least, you know, now I've been doing it in in like a home workout. Um, do that for a while. Then, then I usually meditate after working out Mm. because it's like, it kind of brings me into my body. Like I'm in touch with everything. And then I meditate usually for 10 minutes and just like kind of counting my breaths, like really simple, nothing, nothing too fancy. Um, And then then after that, I usually like make food and then like take a shower and like listen to classical music in the shower. I kind of, if I do all that, it usually sets me up for like a pretty, pretty solid day.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. A lot of those are like out of order in the normal, like way that I hear about how you should meditate and all of that. But I think the shoulds in meditation are largely bullshit and it's just like based on whoever you are as a person and you need to figure out your own routine. So that's cool. Um, I've never heard of anyone listening to classical music in the shower in the morning. So that's oh, that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> You'd say, I have this.
1: Uh, yeah, like I have. Um, right. I have a playlist that my friend uh, Andrew Friedman, who plays a yeah, he was used to do a lot of stuff with his band SerenTip, cool. and he plays keys in there. He like we had a big tour, like where we were like flying to Asia and stuff, and he like put together this really awesome classical piano playlist, and I still listen to
0: that almost every day. That's awesome. Nice. Okay, and then the other um, way that I wanted to take this is in terms of your songwriting, um, what purpose does writing songs for you serve in your own life in terms of like working through things? And then how do you take that, like, because I think as a musician and as like a person who's dealt with like lows in my own life, bringing that into art and into music is a really powerful way of like transitioning the energy forward. Um, So how do you kind of take that and then bring it into a finished project, into an album that's more cohesive? Yeah, dude, good question. Um,
1: A lot of my songs are, like, functioning as medicine. It's I've never been the kind of guy that could, like, just sit down and, like, I want to, like, write a song today and, like, be, like, really happy with it. I mean, I think it's probably happened a couple times, but most of my songs are when I am just at a saturation point and I don't even have a choice if I want to write the song or not. It's like, it's coming, like it's there. It's already there, it's coming out. It's like a splinter. It's a, uh, I don't really feel like I have much say in the matter. Um, and a lot of, I feel like that kind of comes across. Like if you listen to the lyrics, a lot of them are kind of tragic sounding. Um, but yeah, like definitely music is medicine. It's a, uh, they're not usually, very fun hmm. it's it's like very um it's just like very emotional it makes it, it makes them really hard to perform live too yeah but
0: because it's just like so it's so exposing um, right yeah what is it like for you to like expose yourself so vulnerably to everyone with songs that you
1: write it's weird it's definitely like playing for you know 20 30 people at a smaller venue of like my own stuff is so much scarier than like playing for like thousands of people on a stage, like backing up an artist, like hands down, hands down, because yeah. And it's just, it's so, um, well, because it's like a lot of, a lot of my songs are about like points when I felt weak, uh, the points when I felt unsure and like, uh, you know, a lot of them are dealing with like childhood trauma and, and, all of those things aren't the easiest to talk about when you're alone, let alone on a stage in front of people that you know, will hear you. Cause with these smaller stages where it's like, you know, I'm fortunately surrounded by a bunch of really good songwriters all the time. Um,
0: and they like, they will hear the lyrics. Yeah. So it's a little, it's a That's little intimidating. intimidating. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting that you talk about the, the fear of exposing yourself and being vulnerable mm-hmm. Because I think that for me, the musicians that I really connect with are the ones that do that. Um, And so that might be like an interesting next chapter of your life is like working through that vulnerability and yeah, and wanting, like learning to, I don't know, just an idea. To wrap this back around, what you were talking about with like the thorns and the like not being able to control when your songs come out, that I think is a really common um, experience that, artists have when they're working in their craft so for me it happens when i'm writing sometimes and it's just like all of a sudden this like random piece of art will just fall out of the sky and like be on a page and i will have no idea how it got there and it's a really cool experience but it's also really challenging sometimes because those those experiences come from our deepest emotions so it's like putting them out and then you have to like look at them and that's hard um but cool yeah Uh, So in terms of those childhood traumas, um, yeah, I, my parents split up when I was really little and then you talked about how your parents divorced when you were 11. Um, how has that like shaped your ability to create music over the the years, um, and be an artist? Because I think that the most, I was talking about this with a friend recently, how most really good artists have that like darkness inside, um. And that's, like, what brings art to people. Yeah. Well, I think it
1: definitely comes out in my, uh, in my music where lyrics are involved a little bit more. And, like, there were even a couple songs on my first record that, like, had lyrics. Like, if you look up on YouTube, you can see, like, uh, I guess, Mellifluous had lyrics, but that it wasn't super sad. It was kind of like a little love song. But Dirge for Mary Mallon, super dark um, song about Typhoid Mary which uh, is, I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but it's, it's super fucked up. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like, I always think it's more interesting to write about the dark stuff. Because whenever like I feel really great, it's like I want to fully embrace and like lose myself in that moment. And I never feel like I need to like digest, like why am I so happy? Yeah. You know, it's like, if I feel like that kind of like kills the vibe.
0: Yeah, it's way harder and, to write about happy times. Yeah, like, and I've, yeah. you
1: know, I've had, you know, just like, especially during the time when I was writing a songs about, especially the last EP, where, where a lot of that was about kind of more like processing childhood shit. It was, um, I was also dealing with like a lot of like physical anxiety, um, where I was uh, just super like lightheaded for like a year and a half straight. And it still happens every once in a while, but it was like it was real intense for a while and I had to get a bunch of medical tests done to make sure it wasn't something weird, but all the doctors say it was like probably just stress. So it was, it was very like physical and emotional state that I was in when I was writing the
0: songs about that. Wow. Um,
1: That's
0: powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's crazy how those, how our, our mental states can really affect our, the way our body feels. So insanely, and like, I remember for a long time, I just used to get headaches and feel like foggy all the time. Yeah, and the I realized, foggy. Yeah, and that's, I realized that's that's that like real, it's not like a mental, like it's not a a disease or anything. You know, it's just like not being authentic to yourself or like pushing yourself too hard in directions that aren't the right one and stuff like that. So, yeah, and in terms of like authenticity and making sure that you are being who you want to be, do you think that that comes into play with maintaining? the healthy, non-foggy life?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting point. It's like, it's basically just like, I feel, I feel like your gut speaks in different ways as you age. And for me, I think, you know, the fogginess is very much like, oh, you're not, it's it's like your gut telling you to do something. Or you're like, you're not doing something you're supposed to do because like ever since I started taking more time for myself it's like uh you know a lot
0: of my brain fog has gone away which is really interesting yeah that's awesome yeah yeah um okay so something you were just talking about about your heart and uh how your heart is telling you things and you have to listen to your heart there's a song on your most recent album or most recent ep called the alchemist yeah is that about the book the alchemist or is that just an idea actually yeah kind of that's awesome Good. yeah
1: it's to- <laughs> totally you're you're actually you might be the first person to like make that connection because i feel like it's pretty on the nose but you know yeah. um yeah i was rereading the alchemist and literally it was like when i was there was a period of time last year where i think it was like a literally a year ago right before i started recording that ep where i was like flying just all the time like i was only probably in town in my apartment for a week out of every month. And I'd, like, come back and just, like, try to walk to the park and, like, stay centered. But it was just, like, so frantic. And I was just doing a lot of soul searching and, like, like what am I supposed to be doing? Like, um, yeah, it was a good time to be reading The Alchemist. And that's, yeah, that's where that song came from.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's such a good song. I remember I just, like, list, started listening to it. And that was, like, one of the first songs that I heard of yours. Um, and I love The Alchemist. It's my second favorite book um after zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance which see I, that one i keep on I, i've been would told to read book. that one yeah <laughs> it's like perfect for your zenness. and also actually this can like i'll bring this up in a sec but uh the alchemist and i was listening to the song and i was just like wow this is so cool that someone like wrote a song about the alchemist and the way that you talk about um like just going with the flow and being sure that you're on the right path, even though it feels so hard. And that's kind of what I got from that song is really yeah. accurate, I think. Um, so that's cool. So what I wanted to talk about with Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and I won't give it all away, but that book talks a lot about like excellence and and really like striving for high quality. Um, and so I think one of the things I noticed in your past is that you, with uh, architecture and music, you really strived for excellence and like you needed to be perfect and the best. And is that something you still do? And if not, why not?
1: Ooh, it's still my main tendency. My instinct is to not do anything unless I can be the best at it. And if I'm going to do something, I'm going to give it my all. That is my instinct. The older I get to realize the, the more I realize that that's not the healthiest approach for a lot of things. Um, you know, because if you're constantly holding yourself to that high standard, you end up subconsciously holding everyone around you to a similar standard, which yes. isn't fair. Um, and can be very taxing on relationships, especially romantic ones, because you're like, why aren't you? like, what do you mean you didn't do the dishes the right way? Or like, what is just dumb shit like that? Um, so yes, I do. I do. And that's why I've, I've, I have such a complicated relationship with like my own singing because I'm coming from a place of being fairly refined on the guitar and spending a lot of hours in like that shed and working with all these phenomenal singers that have been singing for 20 years or more. And then for me to jump into that and I'm just like, well, if I can't do runs like Kim Burrell or like Whitney or like whatever, it's like, then it's like not good enough. so it it definitely still creates uh it's the same thing that got me to where i am on guitar holds me back in other places like singing um but also like recently i've been really getting into production which like then that's another like benefit of it is like i'm able to get really into it because it's that my brain works in a very similar way and it and it all kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. so so yeah i guess yes i am still like that but i I'm healthier in my decisions to entertain that instinct.
0: Cool. That is a really good answer. I have thought a lot about excellence as like one of the reasons for living life is just like to be the best version of one's self. And I think it's an exhausting like venture sometimes when you are putting energy into being excellent at something that doesn't really matter that much. And I think it's more for me, what I've realized is more like an internal experience than an external experience like i don't have to produce excellent things as much as i just have to be my best when i'm doing things yeah. and th- that like switch in mindset has really taken a lot of stress off and as long as i'm like doing my best there's a book called uh the four agreements mm. oh yeah yeah so this is that, that's a I'm good bad one. one yeah um i feel like wow, we're that's that's one i, I should like, reread the
1: yeah it's on yeah. my shelf
0: to be read and i'm like uh <laughs> but it's good um yeah. Okay. So moving forward, um, actually I don't really have any more questions, but do you want to just talk about books quickly? Yeah, sure. Okay. So some books we've mentioned Alchemist, uh, Four Agreements, what are Four some Agreements. other like, books that have really changed your life?
1: Ooh, see, I left so much of them in New York. Cause it's like, since I just moved across the country, I just Marie Kondoed like the shit out of all my stuff. Yeah. Um, a beginner's mind. Mm. it's like it's like this book on zen buddhism
0: that i re- read a lot uh i was about to talk are, to you about a beginner's mindset when you were talking about singing so oh little, yeah you know. yeah i know And it's like i know i know what i should do but right, right. like we always do yeah it's so it's
1: yeah um one other books honestly like a book that's not in that vein but the last book i read that i really really enjoyed is uh it's a book by Mir Mirakami hmm. called Kafka on the Shore. Yeah, good book. Um, that is weird, weird book.
0: Weirdest yeah. book I've read in a minute, but like super enjoyable. Um, I read that when I was really young and have no memory of what the book was about, but remember feeling super odd reading it. And I just like read it yeah. once. If you
1: reread it, you'll be like, oh my God, I read this when I was, because <laughs> it's like, it's a retelling of Oedipus. So it's like very oh, like shit. incest laden.
0: Whoa. Yeah, I did not catch that.
1: Yeah, it's super, yeah, it's super out. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, definitely like uh I mean the four agreements and and the alchemists are probably some of my those are probably my like my really big two. Yeah. Um I read uh the book by Alan Watts.
0: Oh cool. I haven't heard um of
1: it. that one's that one's really good. I really, I really enjoy Alan Watts and then um and then be here now. Be mm. love now. Cool. The two uh, those two Ram Dass books. Nice. Those are those are really great. Um, All right. Added to my list. Yeah. The the Ram uh, Be here now is the first one. It's like it's very like picture
0: based. It's very like psychedelic, um like psychedelic zen. Sweet. I will definitely check that out. Okay. So the last question I want to ask is, what does the authentic path look like for you now and moving forward, and how do you maintain that direction and know that you're on the right path?
1: Ooh, see, that's another one of those, like, letting go versus holding on kind of things. It's like, you don't really know what they're like, really, the right path is whatever path you're on. Um, And truly leaning into that is the trick, which it's almost like it, it reminds me a lot of like the thing that we would talk about in Alexander technique classes where, like, you can tell your body to relax, and you will only relax up to a certain point. But in order to truly relax, you need to not be telling yourself to relax. Because by telling yourself to relax, you'll constantly be holding on to a little part of it. And it's like, so there's this paradox at the end of it. And I think a lot of it has to do with that. And I think another, the other part that has a lot to do with is, um, like just looking forward, like, like we're truly letting go of your past. And cause it's like time, time doesn't like, you know, doesn't really exist. It's kind of this weird thing that we're in, but right. like, for me, like this, this thing has been there, these past few weeks have been like me starting this new project and really following my passion and exploring that through electronic instrumental music and arranging in that way and not worrying about like branding and be like, Oh, we'll just make the art first and then kind of figure it out. And then Yeah, just trying to ask yourself like, are you making, are you like, whenever I make a decision, I always ask myself, am I running towards something or am I running away from something? That's awesome. And that's like, that usually like helps me at least kind of like sort stuff out a little bit um, because it's easy to accidentally make decisions where you're just running away from something.
0: Yeah, that's really, really powerful.
1: Yeah. And then just to know that like you're gonna, you'll like have all your shit together and you'll know exactly what you want to be doing. And then the nature of being in that place is that you're gonna fall away from that place and have to come back to it later. It's like that's just the way it goes, you know. And it's uh it's just it's just like, you know, life, life, it's life likes to play jokes on you (laughs) where it's like, hey, hey, remember, remember when you were taking this a little too
0: seriously? right and then it that's cool you could write a book about this in like 10 years good if I dude writing is so hard for me you write songs about it then yeah Which, yeah I'll do that yeah there you go okay well Horace thank you so much for being on the show this was such a pleasure um before I let you go is there a place where people can follow up with you or find you follow what you're doing yeah like I I do a lot of stuff on Instagram so that's like
1: in general a great place to reach me and I also check Instagram too much so that's again, a good place to reach me. Um, otherwise, it's like my emails online. I recently deleted my website, so don't go there. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyone,
0: yeah. anyone feel free to reach out. Awesome. And I highly suggest everyone go check out his music on Spotify or wherever else. Um, so sweet. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Hey everyone. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the authentic path with Horace Bray. Horace is so cool. And I love to talk to him. I, haven't really felt like that same vibe of how philosophic we got and just like down into the weeds of what it's like to be a human at like the deepest level so it was really really cool to talk to him and i hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did please send it to someone who you think would enjoy it too i hope you have a great rest of your day this is phelan on the authentic path signing off for now